Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Yenis Tsunis, CEO and founder of Advan Research, a location data company which recently won the best alternative data provider at the IMD and IRD awards. Among other things, Yanis tells me about how Advan has found that employee mobility can correlate closely with a company's performance and how Advan's miles-driven index is useful for the auto, oil and insurance industries. I began by asking Yanis about his background in technology and finance. Um, yes, I'm a serial, thanks for having me, by the way, Mark. Um, yes, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, like everyone who has that age, I, I try to come up with, with new ideas all the time and try to filter which one is worth uh, working on. Um, my background is, is, is as you said, uh, very technical mathematics, computer science, cryptography. Um, and all my businesses had something to do with, uh, with technology. Even when I worked in non-technology businesses, I always tried to use um, enhance them with, with, um, uh, with some uh, uh, enabling computing technology. Um, and I had a soft spot for the financial industry because the, um, I had run big quotes from 2005 to 2008. It was a very successful story. We sold the company to Moody's. Uh, in 2008, so um, I, I always thought that the next business I would like to start uh, should be in the financial technology, in, in the, uh, serving the, the hedge fund space. And um, as many of these things happen, almost accidentally, I got um, in a discussion with a company that was providing alternative data, um, and they were looking for a CEO. Um, and um, and then I thought, well, I can I can actually do this better myself. Um, and, and that's how the idea for Advan got sparked. The, the idea is, fundamentally, if you, as, a, as, a, as an institutional investor, for you to consistently overperform the market, you have to have an information advantage. You can do it because you're smarter, because you're, um, you're doing something better than the others, but that's not sustainable. Fundamentally, you have to have some information that not everybody else has. And that cannot be insider information uh, if you want to stay a free, a free man. So it has to be something else. And that something else is, is really alternative data. Quite, quite right. So you, you came from, as you say, you came from a bit of a financial background um, and an alternative data company approached you and, and you saw alternative data as being um, the, the coming thing. Did the company that uh, did the company that approached you was it kind of following an Advan Advan uh, model or would, did you come up with something different? They they were analyzing satellite data, and uh, and it was a company that was not doing very well. There were there were about a dozen companies working on satellite data. These guys were probably the smallest, uh, burning cash for five, six, seven years at the time, uh, not not going not doing particularly well. It was a turnaround basically. Uh, they were looking for a CEO to turn it around, um, and and we didn't come to terms. So okay, uh, and you thought it sounded you thought it sounded easier to to create something yourself in the same space. You know, I, I thought so location data is much more useful for for finance than just satellite imagery. 
Fantastic. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit about uh, who Advan, Advan is and what they do. So we um, the charter was to bring alternative data to finance um, and protection to other industries as well. And we started working on cell phone location data, and we pretty much stuck to our guns. We didn't bring other data sources in for the main reason that um, there's so much to do in location data. So what we do now is we serve uh, hedge funds, uh, private equity firms, real estate. Um, we started to work with some retailers and corporates um, and, and, other, and other companies. And we analyze traffic. We, we measure where people are going. Um, which is it's a very broad term. You can see um, the, the, the low-hanging fruit is how many people go to a mall or to a retailer, but we also measure how many people go to a hotel, um, to casinos, to uh, restaurants, to um, hospitals. It's important now for COVID to see the, the capacity of hospitals. Uh, we, we tag where the, where the device spends its nights and its days, so we know essentially where people work and where people live, so we can do um, analytics for migration patterns that are important for real estate or for new store placement. Um, and what's your what's your if you if I may what's your geographical focus for this coverage? Uh, we have global data. Uh, we basically scour the marketplace for all available location data, and we buy the best that there is. So um, about half of our data today is in the US, the other half is spread worldwide. The only blank spot is really China. It's just impossible to get data out of the country. Um, but everywhere else we have data. And um, uh, and, and the, there are a lot of companies that think about this these, these types of data, but where we distinguish ourselves is we really are uh, above and beyond the analytics that everybody else is doing. So both in terms of coverage, we cover more than 2,500 companies, and the accuracy, we go down to the extreme detail on the um, on every company we cover. Um, uh, the, the breadth of data is the largest aggregation that, that exists in the marketplace, uh, and also our ability to crunch data um, uh, very fast. We can turn around for a private firm and say, I need a thousand locations. We can produce the historical traffic on those thousand locations within a day. Uh, okay. So so a little bit more. I, I believe it's important to your model that you the where you get your data from is specifically from, from app usage rather than other sources. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there are, there are three fundamental ways that one can get cell phone location data. The initial one was cell phone companies. Um, there are two problems with that. One, it's completely inaccurate because they don't triangulate the phone like they do in the movies. They just have a list of which phone connects to which cell tower. And the cell towers are within a few miles of, itself, of each other. So you basically know where the cell phone was within a few miles. Um, you can't really do much with that. And second and more important, I signed up, I signed up with AT&T to get cell phone service. I didn't agree to sell my data. Um, so this, 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 the cell phone companies were selling the data without permission. In fact, they has a lawsuit against them from the SEC, um, from uh, to the, of our FCC um, to the tune of two hundred million dollars plus because they said we're going to stop doing it and they kept doing it. So no cell tower data for many reasons. Uh, then advertisers would pick up the data when you go to a web page. They will find out where you are with your IP address or or some other um, methods again, without your permission, and they would sell that data. That's called bitstream data, which is A, very inaccurate. B, the user doesn't know that it's been tracked, so it doesn't pass any kind of privacy, CCPA, GDPR. And um, it's also 
pretty much useless for what we do because you observe the user only when they're looking at the website. So you get 500 million users that you see two times a month. You can't really do any analytics with that. So the only good data that we use is from users installing some application, a legitimate application that has a need to know where you are. I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you cheap coupons as you're driving around for gas. I'm going to uh, send you weather alerts. I'm going to send you crime alerts exactly where you are. I need to know where you are in order for the application to operate. And by the way, I'm going to use your data for analytics so I can provide my application for free. Are you okay with that? Yes. Explicitly opted in. And then the application uses all the sensors in the phone so it can get, use GPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and it geolocates the device within a 10-meter accuracy. And more importantly, it collects data for the device throughout the day. So it typically see 100 data points per device per day. Every time you move, you get a data point. So then you can do very interesting analytics. I can imagine. So all of this is within, uh, G you function in Europe, so all of this is within the GDPR system as well, or is that yeah, a challenge? Yeah, we are, we are a data controller for GDPR purposes. We have a data privacy officer that online yards. Okay. Um, and so your, so what do you use this data for? What are, you, what are some potential uses? Um, uh, so the first thing we we did is we measure food traffic and, and employee counts in publicly traded companies. As I said, we cover about two and a half over two hundred thousand companies right now, of which about fourteen hundred are publicly traded. So for every restaurant, every hotel, every hospital, every mall, every retailer, every casino, every factory, we measure. Um, uh, every warehouse, we measure employees, we measure uh, visitors. And, and we use those numbers, those metrics, to forecast the performance of the company. If um, uh, in, in many companies, it is the best metric you can have. For restaurants, if you go there, you're going to spend, you can spend, most people spend approximately the same ticket. So if we know how many people go to restaurants, we know better than any other data set, including credit card transaction data, how much people spend because a lot of the spending is, is with cash. Same with casinos, same with hotels. Um, um, we also, so we can forecast the quarterly revenue of the company. Our data forecasts the quarterly revenue of the company better than any other alternative data set or any other data set period for uh, a good couple hundred companies. And, um, and we can also forecast the, um, the performance of factories and warehouses. We see Amazon warehouses hiring 140% more employees than they did last year, uh, at the same, same time last year for COVID. You know what? We know the performance of, of, uh, of Amazon. By the way, the number of employees at Amazon is correlated 0 0.8, 0 0.9 with the top line revenues. Amazing. But I imagine... I imagine in order to do this, there must have been quite a um, quite a process of uh, mapping Amazon facilities and and that that specificity to be able to nail that down. Have you have you is that an ongoing process or did you have to do that all the beginning before you start? That's uh, that's exactly what we do. That's that's the the the, um, the main uh, processes on our side is we need to find all the locations. Sometimes it's easy, but many times it's hard. And, and it's especially hard with retail companies because they trade on the same store sales number. So it's not sufficient to find what, what locations they have, but you need to have their locations on a point-in-time basis. So you need to know um, this quarter there are, uh, I don't know, 700 Costco's. 
same quarter a year ago, there were 690 Costco's. So when I measure the same store traffic, I need to get those 690. So I need to have point in time store locations. We have about 2 million locations that we have manually mapped in our database. Uh, and we um, uh, have quarterly point in time accuracy of those locations going back 10 years. So 40 quarters times 2 million locations, that's 80 million locations that you need to know. Okay, the website of the company says I'm at 165 Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue, and then next quarter it says 165 Avenue of the Americas. And you know what? Those two are actually the same address. So they didn't close this location and open a new one. It's actually the same location. You have to, some of that stuff has to be done manually. So it's a tremendous amount of work to have the, all the locations of every company, collect them, do the point in time, uh, opening and closing of every location, then manage your fence them. We have people going on the map and saying, this is the perimeter of the location, this is the perimeter of the parking lot. And if it's a company uh, that's a retail company, we also have the hours of operation. So we go to the website, we scrape the, the data, and when, it's, when, when the manager of the store says, we're open um, 8 to 8 on weekdays and, and um, 9, to, 9 to 9 on weekends, we have to standardize that and say, okay, Monday you're open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday you're open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., so then we can filter people for uh, inside store hours, outside store hours. All this level of detail and maintenance, because you have to, all this change all the time. Do you have to do, do, you have to do that all in-house, or can you outsource any of it? Um, you know, outsourcing is, it, it sounds good in board meetings, but if you want quality control, you have to really do it in-house. The event, the last part of quality control has to be in-house. So we have some um, uh, dedicated third-party companies that work exclusively with us, um, uh, which do some of the low-level cleaning. Um, uh, but um, we still have to do... Uh, and, and they're basically almost like an in-house arm. They're just not here in New York City. They're in other, other places of the world that are... Yeah, cheaper labor, um, but a lot of it falls down on our shoulders here internally. Interesting. And so, and there's a couple. I'm just looking at your information. There's a couple of other. Um, uh, you can you can access macro data using your data as well, and uh, things like the miles driven index. Where does that fit in? Um, yeah. So we've started uh, very early on several skunk work projects where we try to think what interesting wacky stuff can we can come up with using the location data and, uh, and somebody asked us about can you estimate how many how many miles people drive and we, we scratched our heads and we said well we can measure every road of every um of every country and we can do it this way but that seems like an overkill the more you drive the more you go to gas stations let's look at the gas station traffic which you already measure um, and lo and behold, traffic in gas stations is directly correlated with how many miles people drive. We know that because we can see that the, um, the federal, the, 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 the FRED, um, the arm of the federal government that does statistics, publishes a number of how many miles were driven every month with a month lag. So, but we can correlate our data to that number, so we know it. We know it works. So, uh, miles driven comes from gas station traffic right now, uh, which is good on the state level and the national level. Um, if somebody were interested to find out how many miles people drive on every road, we also have mapped every road worldwide. So we can, we can, we can do more accurate measurements if somebody wants it. Wow. 
Do you find do you find with the miles driven index? Do you find people are more interested in it from an oil demand perspective or more from the automotive sector? Uh, it's it's for oil demand. Um, uh, well, actually, it, 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 all three. Right, oil demand is number one. Um, uh, although for oil, the airport traffic is is even an even bigger indicator. We measure every airport in the world, nine hundred fifty large airports. Um, that actually is, is, a, is a bigger indicator of demand than, than uh, just uh, uh, car traffic. Um, from the automotive perspective, demand for autos. Uh, also from an insurance perspective, all that's being equal, the more miles you drive, the more accidents you have. Um, and, and for COVID, it was specifically interesting to see the behavior change of, of cars. Uh, um, typically, what you see a pattern of miles driven is that people drive more over the weekends in, in the U.S., um, they just go out and run their errands and do their shopping. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a consumer economy. And on March 16th, almost like clockwork, we saw traffic. Instead of having peaks on weekends, we saw trials on weekends. Um, and people were driving for work because they had to, whenever they did, but over the weekends they stayed home. Uh, and we started seeing that pattern reverse somewhere around May, mid-May. And that's when the first recovery started happening. We might start seeing it again uh, now with the new lockups, uh, lockdowns. Um, and interestingly, we also, another, another bit of interesting insights we do is we figure out if a device belongs to a truck driver because we see their pattern of where the devices go. So if they go to this truck station and that truck stop station and we see them multiple times, we know, okay, this cell phone belongs to a truck driver. So now we can measure truck miles driven. And that's a different pattern. Um, we didn't see the dip um, that we saw with the regular miles driven over COVID because trucks still had to deliver things. Their patterns did not change. They have dips over the weekends because they don't work as much on the weekends than they work on weekends, uh, on weekdays. Um, and the pattern did not change through COVID, nor their, their absolute volume. So you could see a contrast from the same data, different analytics, and you overlay those two, and now you, you get a sense of what people are doing. Um, and that's very important from a macro perspective for instruments. Interesting, definitely. Which um, which of your various products did you find uh, shed the most light in on what was happening in the COVID economy? Uh, I, I think the most interesting thing we did is we broke down the traffic by uh, U.S. state, uh, and we created about three hundred indexes, also broken down by state. And the way we compute our data is bottoms up. So we start from every single location, and we aggregate the locations. Typically, we aggregate them up to the company. Well, we said, let's aggregate it to a state level and then to the, to the country level. Um, so now you could see, okay, how, how are um, consumer discretion, what's traffic on consumer discretionaries across the U.S. or maybe in other countries too? And how does that change between New York that had the first wave versus um, Texas where, where the wave was delayed? Uh, and now I, I can get a glimpse into the future. When, when Texas starts having more COVID cases, I know what to expect on consumer discretionary, so on, on staples, on, um, you know, and all, all of these other things. So uh, both on a company level and on, an, uh, on a macro level, those were very, very interesting insights um, and, uh, and little we had. Sure.
One of the benefits of alternative data is the fact, uh, kind of as you as you hint at, that it's much quicker than the traditional official data. Um, I think one of your benefits is that you're you're really quick, even for alternative data. It's, it's T plus one, isn't it? It's one day after the activity, you'll be able to share it with customers. That's right. Yeah, most alternative data are about seven days delayed. Um, we are uh, our data is the, the fastest out there. It's about anywhere between one and, and 15 days faster than credit card transaction data, which is the next fastest. And we are working to provide intraday data. There, there's actually intraday information out there that we haven't, we just haven't processed yet. Um, but uh, hopefully this year or early next year, we'll move to intraday. So that could be really useful for some of the really high frequency guys out there. Well, Frequency. If you if you if you uh, think of a fundamental guy where the traffic in retail is mostly over the weekend and they don't have a visibility for the weekend until the next weekend, um, they can't trade for for a week, and without data they can trade the next day. Yeah, perfect. Um, and so, talking about um, clients, who how would you break down your your current clientele in terms of percentages? Uh, it, it pretty much reflects the uh, distribution of clients out there. So. Um, there are um, many more fundamental funds than quant funds. So most of our customers are from the hedge fund side. Uh, most of our customers are fundamental funds. And we have some key quantitative funds um, using our data. And, uh, and hedge funds represent the majority of our clients because it's the longest standing products we had. Um, then uh, the, the second uh, cohort is real estate investors. Um, so real estate funds, um, and uh, and we are we are um, um, working more with with that cohort of, of, of customers. What are they What are they What are they interested in? Um, so some some simple use cases there. Um, I, I'm investigating buying a building. Um, is this area? Uh, and, and we're talking about funds that will have hundreds of buildings, right? So they're, they're not experts. It's not like I'm buying, I, I live here all my life and I'm buying a building next door. Fine. Um, but these are companies that buy nationwide. So this area that the building I'm, I'm looking to buy, is it an area that people want to live? Well, let's let's look at the data. The first use case we had was um, a, a customer investigating a building outside of, of Seattle um, and the seller said, well, it's, it's very close to Bellevue. People, it's closer to Bellevue than it is that Seattle is. So people that work in Bellevue will want to live in that building. When we looked at our data, nobody that works in Bellevue lives in that area. They either live in Bellevue or they live in Seattle. This is the dead zone in between. It could be closer, but nobody wants to be there. So it's a bad idea to buy, <laughs> um, buy the building. So it's, uh, so it's the it's the customer insights that you can provide the consumer insights. Right. It's 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 where so that's for where people live and where people work and analyzing that for and, and how that changes over time and analyzing that for um, for real estate owners of office and and and, um, and residential buildings and then for for real estate for commercial buildings or, or retail buildings it's the same uh, level of analysis we do for our hedge funds they want to know. Is the mall, I'm going to buy a mall. Are people going there? Are there more people going there? Are fewer people going there? What's, their, what's the true catchment area of this, of this mall? I don't want you to draw circles around the mall and tell me, oh, this is the demographics of those circles. I want to find out the actual people that went to this mall. Show me how many live in every zip code because we know where people live and what is the demographic of those zip codes. Uh, so I need to know what my true customers are, not what my broker is going to tell me they are.
and I can do my own analytics of what's the average income, is it growing over time, is it dropping over time? I have, it, it's, think of putting your people in a mall, if you want to buy it, or in any, any other property, putting somebody on the door and seeing how many people go in and out, and also knowing where those people live and work and, um, and how much money they make and all their other demographics. Not just now, but for the four years in history and how that has changed. I mean, it's just impossible to do otherwise. And how much more educated are you going to be when you bid in a property? You know where to bid higher or where to bid lower. You know which ones to keep and which ones to sell. Okay. Okay. And so you're, you're very much coming from a hedge fund and real estate fund um, client base at the moment. Do you see increasing interest in perhaps the less sophisticated end of the asset management sector and the corporate sector? Um, uh, yes. Well, we, we're, we just started uh, expanding into private equity firms. I wouldn't call them less sophisticated, um, uh, but uh, we didn't have uh, turnkey products for them. Now we do. Uh, because what private equity has is, is a very different use case. They're, they're researching a, 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 a deal, and they they need a lot of data specifically custom to that deal, and they need it now. So so we work really hard to be able to generate thousands of, of uh, traffic numbers or thousands of locations on the fly for that. Um, so we're just starting uh, um, exp- expanding into that vertical, which is huge. Um, on corporates. Um, we have been slow, honestly, uh, and that's mostly due to lack of sales bandwidth on our side. Sales bandwidth and also every vertical you go to needs their own customizations. Um, so it's really a lot of, of work for us to, um, you, know, you have to have the bandwidth to do it properly. Uh, the, the closest we we're getting is for on site selection, where we just released a new tool um, that is good for both macro insights and helps on site selection, uh, it's called real estate perspectives. And you can see on any statistical area from census block group all the way up to the state. So you can look at zip codes and county and metropolitan area and statistical area, um, how many people live there, how many people work there, um, uh, how, many pe- how many places people visit actual uh, visits in, 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 the, in these locations, and more importantly, how those things change over time, and where are people migrating to and from, broken down by their demographics. So I can see, okay, where do high-income people uh, move into or move out of, and where do they go? Or I want to know, want the up, know the up-and-coming um, uh, demographics. Where are they going? And you can see that on a national level, and you can start honing down on if I need to place five new locations of my, my store, my whatever whatever it is I'm, um, I need to attract people for, where do I need to place it? Um, and, and you start at a macro level, and then you can use our real estate tools to, to drill down to the, um, uh, to the individual level. So we, we have the tools now. Um, um, having the sales bandwidth comes next. <laughs> well, now you're on the Alternative Data podcast. I think you'll find things much easier going forward. Um, <laughs> um, so you have, 2020 has been a very good year for you. You've just won the uh, the award for the alternative best alternative data provider for Inside Market Data and Inside Reference Data Awards. Um, what does what does the future hold? Where's the, what's the, what's, what's the next step for you guys? Yeah, honestly, we'll just keep our head down and, and keep um, keep improving what we're doing and, and building new things. One, 
one of the main things that always attracted me in the financial industry, uh, which is even when we, we go to other verticals, the financial industry is always our um, um, uh, is always guiding us. Is that they value accuracy and quality. It's not just how you talk about it, but I need to eventually look at your data and make sure that it works. Um, so, um, and, and the quality of, of our work, which is really painstaking work, both on the, um, the fundamental part, like finding all the locations and geofencing them, and also on the analytic side, how do you normalize the data? How do you um, filter out liars and all of those things? We just, it's, it's a research project, right? We keep learning new things every day. We keep improving what we're doing every day and we're not standing still. And every improvement goes out to our clients incrementally. So um, that's, that's what we keep doing. We can't just rest on our laurels and say, okay, we had a great year. It's gonna keep happening. Uh, we, we just keep improving um, and, uh, and, and making our data more and more uh, accurate, broader, faster, so um, we try to maintain that, that momentum, basically. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like the model is working if, and you're being recognized in the sector. Yanis, um, thank you so much for telling us about Advan today. Very interesting stuff. And um, I, we look forward to watching how you progress with interest. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for the invite.